in this episode of Advisor Revelations. Having been using the RISA actually is such a shortcut to learn about your clients and their preference for generating retirement income. Hear how an innovative tool developed by Wade Fow can help advisors better serve clients by identifying specific retirement styles for a more customized financial planning experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Advisor Revelations podcast. Today's episode will be a little unique because we have two different guests that will be joining us, and uh, many of whom uh, in the audience will, of course, be familiar with them from past episodes. We have a leading academic and retirement researcher, Wade Fowl, joining us today, and uh, really needs no introduction. And then we also have Shannon Stone, who is lead advisor at Griffin Black. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Russ. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have each of you back with us today. So the reason we're all here is that, Wade, you helped create a really innovative new tool called the Retirement Income Style Awareness, or the RISA for short. And really excited about this. It is uh, now your everyday retirement income quiz. This is going to be truly innovative and something that's really important, we believe, for the financial planning industry. So we'll get to more of that in uh, just a second. And we also have Shannon Stone, of course. And uh, you have started actually implementing the RISA into your practice and financial planning. And we're really excited to hear about how you're using this, not only for existing clients, but prospective clients. I think that is going to be super interesting for everyone to learn about. So we're excited to hear about how you're actually using the assessment, how this is unique, and what clients are saying about it. Love to get some feedback on how this is going so far. So before we get into the discussions today, I want to remind our audience that we have several resources on our website that are available to everyone to learn about commission-free annuities and insurance, of course. It's dplfp.com. And you can just go to the resources tab, meet the team page, and get it set up with any of our team members set up a call at any time. So I want to make that directly accessible for everybody. At the end of this episode, we will let you know how to, here soon, access the tool and what next steps will look like to potentially implement for your own practice as well. All right, Wade and Shannon, let's get into it. So Wade, I'd like to start with you first. We've had both you and Alex Murguia on the DPL podcast before with our CEO and founder, David Lau. And you mentioned that you're both developing the RISA. This was in the works and it's been the works for some time now. And you were talking through more of the technical aspects and the research behind the tool and how it's going to be established. And today, I'd like to just start with giving us a high level background on the risk of the journey in terms of how we got here and also why you developed this in the first place and how you envision advisors getting access and value from the tool. Sure, sure. And so really, you could say in some sense, the origins of this all goes back to when I first started learning about retirement income planning 10 plus years ago and seeing how people talk about retirement in very different manners or from very different perspectives. And at first, I talked about this as there are these two schools of thought for retirement income. I called them probability-based and safety-first. And then as well, getting into the academic side at the American College of Financial Services with the mm-hmm. Retirement Income Certified Professional Program, we do talk about these different retirement strategies, spending from investments, using bucketing or time segmentation, building a lifetime floor of income with annuities. And there's pros and cons of each. A very important point is these I do view as all viable strategies, 
But there's never really been a framework to help consumers understand what type of strategy might be right for them. And the concern that exists is in the consumer media, so much attention is paid on just investments, something like the 4% rule that Bill Bingen developed, where mm -hmm. it says to use 50 to 75% stocks throughout retirement, draw from that portfolio, and you should be fine. You should not run out of money doing something like that. And that's really been the default in the consumer media. But there are different approaches. And risk pooling through insurance can be just as effective, if not more so to some degree, than an investments-only approach for retirement. But how do people choose a strategy? Or do they even know there are different options available? Or are they ultimately just stuck with whatever they might hear about? When you turn on the car radio, is it a commercial talking about, I hate annuities and so should you? Or right. is it an advisor talking about how to build safe guaranteed income with annuities and so forth? And depending on what you hear, you might get into a strategy that may not necessarily be the right one for you. So working with Alex Merguia, who has a PhD in psychology, we really started to think about, could we determine, is there some sort of psychological framework or some set of preferences people might have that can help to determine what sort of retirement income style might resonate with them? And as we've worked on that, I've really now come to view this as step one of the retirement planning process. Last mm -hmm. year, I published the retirement planning guidebook and chapter one was about determining your retirement income style. Because from there, once you start to get a sense of what type of strategy actually resonates with me as an individual, then you can start to focus on the financial planning and whether you have an income gap and how you might want to approach building that gap or filling that gap. And so that's really the origin. It's about developing a questionnaire that creates a framework to then guide that initial conversation about as I start thinking about retirement, how do I want to approach it? What type of retirement strategy is going to be the most effective for me as an individual based on my own preferences? And so that's what the retirement income style awareness is all about. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So it sounds like maybe historically you're envisioning that there's a bit of a disconnect, right, between how advisors think they should be approaching retirement income and maybe how clients might want to, in fact, approach retirement income. Do you have any idea maybe historically how much advisors have been going with one strategy over the other? And I think it'd be really helpful for our audience to know. Well, the financial services world is quite large and there's a lot of different perspectives. For years now, I have been saying that the financial advisors who are able to integrate and draw from different tools are best positioned to serve their clients and in the long term to win over getting new prospects, referrals and everything else because they'll be able to best satisfy their clients. Now, there's certainly like the retirement income style awareness when we get pushback on it. It is from financial professionals who really view one strategy as superior and therefore should be used with everyone. And so traditionally, like registered investment advisors, to the extent that they come from the investments world, may really focus on that sort of investments only approach for retirement. But we find now with a nationally representative study, about a third of the population resonates best with that default investments only total returns approach that traditionally registered investment advisors are more likely to offer. But no, over time, and DPL's very much been part of this, more and more advisors are recognizing this point that you shouldn't necessarily use only investments in retirement. The nature of risk changes. The tools of modern portfolio theory that were developed to accumulate assets 
and that ignore the need to spend from those assets. That's not the whole story for retirement. And so broadening the toolkit, developing an approach that can potentially better manage longevity risk and reserve assets and everything else that goes into trying to fund a lifestyle and meet unexpected expenses over an unknown time horizon, those advisors who can draw from different tools and therefore tailor plans specific to their each client are the best position to delight those clients. And what the exact breakdown is, I can't say I, <laughs> I meet many financial professionals who do use this sort of integrated approach, mm-hmm. but then I also hear from advisors who only favor one approach or the other. And again, right. I do think over the long term, the trend is very much in the direction of serve your clients best by drawing from all the different tools we have for retirement. That's great. And then you, of course, mentioned that you know DPL had the opportunity and the privilege to also be able to help identify which solutions might fit into certain categories. It's all great to have the concepts, but ultimately, when there is maybe need for a strategy or solutions, we have to have solutions that are available and implemented so that they can ultimately be recommended. So I had the pleasure of also participating in this, but tell us a little bit why you thought DPL would be a good partner to help really create this tool and ultimately, you know, help drive some of the recommendations that could be really served up for certain clients and certain risk styles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So DPL is at the forefront of bringing insurance into a traditionally investments only world. And so it's very much part of that conversation. And the really fascinating part of this for me, and this is work we did together, Ross, in terms of Mm -hmm. how can we map financial products to different retirement income styles and strategies. And so the reset is really about, am I comfortable relying on the stock market or do I want contractual protection supporting my core spending? Do I want to keep as much optionality as possible or am I comfortable committing to a strategy? And so then that starts to speak to, of course, there's a role for investments in all the different retirement styles. But how do different specific annuities fit into that? And so DPL having that platform with a full range of annuity products from fixed annuities that are used for accumulation, like the MIGAs or the deferred fixed annuities, to income annuities, to fixed index annuities with or without lifetime income protections, to the registered index linked annuities with or without lifetime income protections, to variable annuities with or without lifetime income protections. So a low cost investment only variable annuities or variable annuities offering upside as well as lifetime income protections. How can all those different annuities be mapped so that we can start to see based on a given style what type of annuities might appeal to that style. And certainly some of the retirement styles have a much bigger role for annuities than others. But ultimately, where do annuities fit into the different styles is the specific work we did together with DPL. And then, of course, also investments and how do they fit into the different styles as well. And then it's all about when you have that conversation with someone, you start to see, okay, and this is for advisors who may not be as familiar with all the different types of annuities you start to be able to develop a short list of, well, okay, for this type of person, they are comfortable with market, but they do want some commitment. In that case, Mm -hmm. perhaps one of these variable annuity options might be a better fit than another individual, maybe a, a simple income annuity or a fixed index annuity might be a better fit. Or this other individual 
ultimately may not be all that interested in an annuity. So there may be less role, but perhaps if they have existing annuities, transferring those into an investment-only variable annuity or just using investment-only variable annuity for tax deferral might play a role in that financial plan. But you can start to get a sense of where different types of annuities fit. And that helps to manage the complication around, well, if I look at the DPL product matrix and see and I don't know the exact number on there, but I think probably more than 40 different annuities. Right. <laughs> How do I have a starting point? And that starting point is, well, no, different annuities fit better for different retirement styles. Absolutely. The great news is that there's now yeah, 40, 50 plus solutions, different types of solutions available through DPL that can be able to address all these different risk tolerances and income styles. But that also means that there needs to be, as you put it, a short list maybe established that's even a good fit for a client, depending on their risk tolerance and where they really identify in terms of their retirement income style. So yeah, I think the key point there is helping clients to figure out where they fall and then figuring out what that shortlist should really look like for them moving forward and making sure it's suitable for them. And I think that's a great segue to, of course, really bring in Shannon here, who has seen this firsthand with some clients, which is super exciting. So Shannon, you know, share with us how you in the past maybe have approached having the retirement income discussion and how you think the RISA might be able to really transform some of these discussions moving forward. Historically, when we've talked to clients around retirement income planning, we, so having been steeped in the investment only arena for as long as I've been in the industry, a little over 22 years, mm -hmm. that's always been my go-to area. And that's where we would typically build retirement income for upcoming retirees. Having been using the RISA actually is such a shortcut to learn about your clients and their preference for generating retirement income, where you can transition the conversation much sooner versus learning through market volatility that perhaps we should introduce an annuity to this client for consideration, not having necessarily realized that in the beginning, if that makes sense. Because it's through the yeah. market volatility, I've experienced many clients who I thought were solidly committed to an investment-only strategy were not. As an example, the pandemic, I saw many clients unwind large portions of their portfolio because they were convinced it was different. And it was through that experience, it was an opening for me to bring in the conversation around an annuity, which I've been learning over the last decade. It's not a one-time conversation because people do have their preconceived notions around what annuities are and what they're not. And mm -hmm. it's during these large cycles of market volatility where it can be an opening for some clients to become open to generating and protecting, you know, what they've worked so hard to accumulate over their working years. So now that we're using the RISA, actually, I feel like it brings forth much sooner in the relationship, more meaningful conversations. And it can also be validating for us as an advisor to already be implementing strategies that in that time segmentation or risk wrap or protected income kind of way, it's validating what the research that Wade and Alex are showing, which is only about 35% of clients, investors are really comfortable with that, that investment only strategy. And in practice, what I see with clients coming nearing retirement, they are much more protective, protecting those assets. And yeah. it's been really interesting. And I'm so grateful that we have a tool like this to introduce to not only existing clients, but 
prospective clients as well, because it does, I think it opens up the opportunity to connect with a client on a much deeper level and learn about what their fears and their hopes are as they're approaching this really important part of their life. That's fantastic. I can see how as an RIA, historically, it may have been difficult to truly have that you know, objective starting point when you don't have all the resources there. So it's easy to maybe fall back on, well, here's what we've done historically. And it's difficult to also start with the conversation of, well, we should approach it one way or the other instead of maybe having the client just tell you, here's where we fall. Here's what we're thinking. And you, of course, probably see that clients have a lot of different experiences when they come into you, especially a prospect who's already worked with two or three advisors. So how do you see this especially playing a role with maybe new prospective clients that walk in the door? Well, first, I want to address your objective comment. I wasn't objective in the beginning. <laughs> I was very much an annuity hater. I would have clients come in with annuities who didn't know what to do with them. And I wasn't exactly sure myself what to do with them, except for underneath all of that. Usually a client purchases the annuity because they like the idea of guaranteed income for life, but it was a process to learn through that. So, um, so your question, Russ, was how do I use that with prospective clients? Yeah. How do you especially see this with prospective clients playing out? Because I'm sure they've worked with a lot of different types of yeah. advisors, maybe someone that put everyone into an annuity, maybe the other end of the spectrum, you know, everyone yeah. gets an annuity. How do you see this maybe especially helping you differentiate with prospects and also have maybe a game plan coming out with onboarding a client? So it's been fun to use the RISA with prospective clients. When we receive you know, a notification from someone who's interested in learning more about Griffin Black, I'll look at their age. Mm -hmm. And if they're in that retirement red zone, potentially, I will send them and encourage them to take this retirement income style assessment. And then I use that as our meeting focus to go over the results with them. And then it mm -hmm. springboards into a little bit more about Griffin Black and how we use the information into our financial plan. Plans. And again, you know, using that meaningful communication and conversation, I think it puts us out there in a way that we're reaching prospective clients on a deeper level. And they seem appreciative of the extra steps that we're taking to understand them from not just a portfolio standpoint. I was just on the phone with the prospective client yesterday who's really torn around which direction to go into. He's down to our firm and another firm. And even though he landed in the total return approach, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, he's also sitting on $1.2 million in cash. So I would challenge that he's not really total return approach and that there's some combination. And yet he shared with me yesterday that he's absolutely terrified about not being in the market, but he's also terrified around outliving his assets and the vulnerability that he shared with me. I attribute that, you know, partly because of the RISA, because of that, that open dialogue that we had at such a, um, early on in the relationship. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over time. But that's what I'm experiencing with each client and prospective client that I use this tool with. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like they maybe thought they identified as total return, but maybe they are more risk wrap and something that yeah. still has probability playing a role, but also can guarantee income to provide a little bit longevity protection. Could be a good fit. And that's where maybe the RILA or a variable annuity, I would potentially fall into that category. So yeah, yeah. that's super interesting. 
Yeah. And I told him we would explore those opportunities together. And if at the end of the day, he's total return, then that's the direction we'll go. But it's such a great opportunity to incorporate in the onboarding process to go over all the options that are available to him. That's great. So let's say you get the RISA back and you've talked about this one prospect, but maybe just anyone else you've worked with when you get the report back, which is fantastic, by the way, how you get everything broken down and really dives in deeper. It's almost like a personality quiz, right? Understanding, okay, here's how they think potentially. But then what do next steps look like? Have you looked at certain solutions or, you know, really adjusted the plan accordingly? What's maybe actually put into practice when someone's identified in any category and Mm -hmm. potentially you look at implementing it? It's a great question. So as I said earlier, with some existing clients, the RISA has been very validating because we actually already have those strategies implemented. So it was very validating to see a client who lands in time segmentation to know that we already have a time segmentation already implemented into their plan. So that felt really good. With some newer recent clients who landed where we have one of the spouses landed in protected income and the other one total return, those are conversations that we're going to have and they're in the onboarding. So it's part of the onboarding, but we haven't exactly had that conversation. And there are other pieces that are taken into account. For example, the wife who actually has the protected income preference, she also has a pension and social security. So it'll be interesting to see how, when we get that total picture lined up, whether or not there's a need to introduce more guaranteed income to meet their spending over time. So it's kind of in process. Process. And, but I would say mm-hmm. more so with our existing client base that we've been using this with, the validating part has been very satisfying from an advisory perspective. Again, you know, being a former annuity hater and thinking there was only one way to really generate retirement income and seeing that turned upside down each and every volatile market cycle and clients up at night who can't sleep literally because they're that concerned about their portfolio, watching a client from that state to a state where they feel much more certain and confident in their overall outcomes is really rewarding and satisfying. And so this area to work with people on such, not just the technical aspect, but the emotional is just, it's really rewarding. And the, and the RISA is a big part of that because again, it just, it's that conversation opener. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. You'll have the validation that they're in the right spot. Maybe they already have a solution that establishes guaranteed income that, you know, is an FIA maybe with income that's in that you know, retirement, that secure income bucket there. And it's like, oh, that's great. We, we, we've already put together a lot of the the work to make sure you have the right type of retirement, or maybe they're in that time segmentation and then they have solutions that address that and they're not quite as you know risk averse as some others. So that's great. Wait, I'd love to get your feedback on your reaction to you know, how Shane has used it so far. Is that what you envisioned? How else do you see maybe other advisors doing things either similarly or differently moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. We're so thankful that Shannon's one of those early adopters. Just as we build out the RISA, a few times we've held these advisor challenges where we open up and give that opportunity for advisors to come in and use the RISA. And Shannon, it's wonderful to have you as part of that process and using it exactly as we envisioned. I mean, when we were first thinking about the research behind the RISA, we hadn't even thought about this being potentially something others might want to use. We were thinking, though, is, is just kind of a lead magnet of bringing people into the retirement researcher community. And then we realized, no, there's really applications for this above and beyond. 
with existing clients, it's a great touch point because pre-retirement, most people, for the most part, will be more of total returns because total returns is an accumulation-based approach towards building an asset base. But as they get to that transition period towards retirement, it's this opportunity to step in and say, okay, the best practices are there are multiple ways to build a retirement strategy. Let's just do a check-in and see whether we maintain total returns in that transition to retirement or whether there may be another option to look at and to start facilitating, implementing tools to transition into a different process, whether that's bond ladders for retirement income, whether that's an annuity. But Mm -hmm. you, you can start to think about that process. And then also ultimately... With prospects, it just seems to me it's this great initial conversation where for those who are reading about the different retirement options, the RISA is agnostic. We do think all the different options are valid, so we're not pushing one style over the other. Of course, everyone has their own personal preferences, but you can still work within the framework of, no, there are different options and let's find what's best for you. And so allowing that individual to guide the conversation, I think it just opens up that ability to kind of win their minds and hearts in terms of if they're speaking with different advisors, other advisors still may be wedded to, here's the strategy I offer, you should use it. That may or may not be the right strategy, but at least when they're having the conversation with an advisor who's saying, let's really figure out what's the right strategy for you. I think that's that great opportunity to build that trust in that relationship because this advisor is at the forefront of integrating different approaches and being able to offer the best approach for each individual that they speak with. I'm glad to hear the the feedback from Shannon. And it's exactly how I envisioned the, the RISA being used now that we realize there are these broader applications for it. If I can just add on to that, when I sat in on the advisor challenge, I was thinking automatically, this would be great for prospects. It's such a great tool to introduce. And I think such a great conversation opener. And then also use it in our own existing clientele for those approaching retirement and those already in retirement, given the research and what it shows around a total return investment approach. And my experience of even, you know, my colleagues, it's also changing their minds around a total investment approach. I know many advisors in the industry who are very committed to the total return approach. And as an advisor, when you see a client who's not necessarily comfortable with that approaching retirement, it's a red flag and it's an opportunity to bring a solution to, you know, ease that anxiety. And unfortunately, When it's, you know, during these extreme market volatility times in the market, when those clients start to be more vocal, become more vocal, I think that's an opportunity to also use the RISA to, you know, have that conversation and create another meaningful touch point to, you know, as a check-in to really see if their current strategy is what's really working for them. So I think it's great on so many levels and being open to other strategies and other ways to generate retirement income, I think is what we're here. We're here to serve our clients and there is more than one approach. And I think the RISA is a great tool to implement to show other possible ways. And Shannon, you mentioned something too that I think is important and worth emphasizing. You, you talked about working with a couple where one spouse is total returns, the other is income protection. And certainly we hear anecdotally, a lot of times 
one spouse really dominates the conversations or the financial advisor may really only be communicating with one spouse. When both spouses take the RISA and they should take it separate so that they can <laughs> truly have each of their preferences reflected. Also, I mean, on the retirement researcher side with where we originally were working with a lot of do-it-yourself type consumers as well, we got a lot of feedback around, well, I've been running the family finances and I'm total returns, but I realize my spouse is actually income protection. And this is really making me think differently about the matter. And I think there's a parallel with financial advisors now being able to communicate better with both spouses because now both of them had their preferences revealed Now we can make sure we find the balance or the approach that can satisfy both. And then it's not just that one spouse that's potentially dominating the conversations about how to construct that strategy. So I hope that's another way to further help couples get their preferences aligned. And you can find compromises, but the point is to be able to know that (laughs) there's a need for those compromises. And it's a great way to bring in that other spouse because it's important. I hear often in couple relationships where one of the spouses may not necessarily feel heard in the meeting, in the investment process. And this is another way to include them because it is a joint effort, especially when they land in different quadrants, to talk about their preferences and as a way to kind of tweeze out what's important to that other spouse who maybe isn't the more participant, you know, more vocal partner in the relationship when it comes to meeting with a financial advisor. I'm sure we've all experienced it. Typically, it it usually is the female, but sometimes it's not. And it's a great way for both partners to feel heard and understood. I think that's great. Understanding that you might have uh, spouses that view things differently and trying to find a plan that fits both of their objectives. I'm sure it's a challenge, but hopefully this tool can help them do some self-reflection. And I think it's interesting what you said, Wade, make sure they're doing it on their own and there's no bias there on either side so that they answer things a little differently. So that's great. And then the volatility, I think it's a great point in time because of the volatility. You know, we had a long bull market. It's easy to be told to return when things are going really well, right? Year to date, it's a little bit different story. So Wade, is there, are there certain touch points you should have with ERISA based on client age or where they are in their life cycle? Or maybe if there is a recession or bear market, is that a point in time where you should always go back and do the ERISA for clients that maybe already taken it before? I think it'd be helpful for the audience to know how often should someone really go through this process? Mm-hmm. So we think it's most relevant. People need to really be thinking about retirement as something that's on their minds for the RISA to be relevant. So it's not something you necessarily give to a young client in their 20s or 30s. But once people are starting to think about retirement, that's the right time. And now this idea of should you give it multiple times? That's something we can't truly know 100% until we're able to follow given individuals over their 30-year retirements. But we have collected a number of different data points on this that point towards the idea that retirement styles are relatively stable. If someone took the the recent 2021, it's not necessary to take it again now that the markets are down 20%. And we actually, I mean, there's nothing positive about the pandemic, but we got what economists call a natural experiment where just by random chance, when we were doing our initial study with the retirement researcher community, we offered the RISA in March, 2020. And that's probably one of the most stressful times in history to have been an investor. 
And those same individuals, we had them retake the RISA in September 2020, when the markets may not have fully recovered, but definitely the market environment was much more positive six months later. And we found that the answers people gave were the same, like in a statistical basis, there wasn't a difference in that six month period for the same individuals. And we have other data points along those lines as well about when you look at different age groups, the breakdown of RISAs is not different. So like with risk tolerance questionnaires, you might think people become more risk averse as they age. We don't see any sort of phenomenon like that with the RISA where maybe people who are 70 to 80 years old start tilting more towards income protection. We don't see anything like that. We do think that this is an underlying psychological preference Mm -hmm. that is stable and that doesn't change over time. And therefore, in that regard, you only need to take the RISA once. It's not necessary to, to check in and redo it every six months or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's super helpful and makes total sense that traditionally someone's gonna have the same opinion as they're approaching retirement from that point forward, they should have the same opinion, but it may not be a bad idea for certain clients to revisit it you know, at certain times, given what you just discussed there. So that all makes perfect sense. I think we could go on for, for hours about this because it's such an interesting topic. It's really innovative. And I think it's really going to be transformative for how advisors do approach retirement income. But before we wrap up the podcast today, When will the RISA be available? What are next steps that we should expect for advisors that might have interest, want to learn more, and uh, may even want to participate within the next few months? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're very excited to now be working with DPL that we're going to roll out that the RISA will be available to DPL members as part of the DPL platform. We don't have the exact date for when that will happen, but it's coming soon in terms of definitely in the fall of 2022. So there is a link in the show notes if you'd like to sign up for that list so that you can be notified when DPL has the RISA available. And for listeners right now, that's probably the best approach. You know, Shannon came in through one of these advisor challenges that we do tend to host on occasion, but we don't have anything scheduled right now as we are starting to build out these institutional partnerships to release the, the RISA on a broader scale. And, and DPL is part of that process. So we are very excited that DPL members in the near-term future will have the RISA available to them. And so I would encourage anyone interested to, to sign up through that link in the show notes. Yeah, that's great. We'll make sure that we that link distributed to everybody. And uh, we're super excited about this uh, moving forward. It's been really rewarding to play a small role in this, but uh, Wade really appreciate you sharing the story, the background, the journey it took for us to get to this point. And Shannon, certainly how you've already seen it in action. It's super exciting to hear from you firsthand. So really appreciate your all's time today and uh, your valuable insights. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Russ. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate you all. And to our listeners, thanks for being on. And also a reminder, we have many resources on our website and encourage you all to go back and check out another great podcast around the RISA with Wade, Alex Munguia, and David Lau on the A Day at DPL podcast for more information. And in the show notes, as we discussed, there will be a link that allows you to drop your email address to first get notified about when the RISA is going to be officially available to all advisors. So thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. To hear more advisor revelations, go to dplfp.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app.